Hey everybody, and thanks for coming back to Serial Zombie Mom again. Um, I wanted to go ahead and just say I hope everybody had a great Easter this year. Um, I know there's not really a lot to do, you know, still dealing with some of this stupid COVID shit. Um, so I was hoping that everybody got a chance to enjoy a beautiful day um, with their friends and family. And have the kids out doing all kinds of fun shit. So, um, I took the break for the weekend and unfortunately did not post an episode for you guys. However, um, I've got quite a bit coming up for you, um, right now. Today's episode, um, I've got a, a interesting murder. Um, I have another one for Saturday. Uh, and then also I've got everything started for the next, like, four episodes because that's going to cover, um, one pretty fabulous and, um, iconic case. So that one's going to be a little bit different. I hope that that is going to be one that everybody thinks is a treat, um, and I guess I'll just leave it at that. It's going to be a pretty iconic um, case with a lot of controversy and a lot of, um, <sighs> conspiracy theories about what necessarily happened. So that's going to be a big one, um, that I'm really, really excited about. I have gotten a couple of episodes, um, in and, and decided I was going to, you know, research one case and then something kind of piqued my interest and I got pulled off onto another and, and, um, that happened a couple of times. So it put me a little behind on my normal research. Um, and then one of which I just, you know, for the, the upcoming big case, um, you know, I just, it's one that you get sucked down the rabbit hole. It's, it's one that I've got quite a few books about and I've, I just feel like it's time to do a big one. Um, so today's episode, obviously, it's going to be a little bit smaller. There's, it's not really a ton of information, um, you know, and it didn't get quite the notoriety, um, that it should have. However, it did get some national, uh, attention. Um, once I get into the title of the episode, or if you've read the title of the episode, you probably know a little something about it, or you've, or you've maybe heard or at least understand, um, what might have been the issue here. So, this is about this murder of Scott Amador, uh, also known as the Jenny Jones murder. So, Scott Bernard Amador was born January 26th of 1936. Or, excuse me. Wow, I got dyslexic. Um, so, 1963. I apologize for that. Um, it was known that, you know, he was a little different growing up, um, you know, his, his brother, actually, if you watch the, if you watch Netflix a lot and you're on there a lot, Trial by Media is definitely one that is a interesting show. And if you've watched it at all, you know that the very first case they cover, the very first episode is all about this case. And this is one that I'd heard about a few times and really just, um, some of the pity here that I have for this family, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. And reading this and, and watching the documentary was just really one for, for the books. Now, Scott, 
obviously a, you know, gay man uh, had served some time in the military. I believe it was the army. Um, you know, very, very loved by his family, by his friends. It, you know, he had issues, though, you know, like a lot of normal people, you know. Um, you know, it was obvious that he was gay. Uh, he did have a very good friend that he confided in a lot. He went and saw and visited her quite a bit. And then there was a time that he went over to her place to visit. And she's like, well, I've got, you know, this neighbor working on my car. You know, just come on over. Like, we'll hang out. He gets over there and he pulls in. He's 32 years old. And he pulls in. And sees this guy working on her car. Now, I don't remember if he was, like, giving an oil change or if he was fixing her tires or, you know, what he was doing. I don't exactly remember that specifically. But he's working on her car. Well, Scott rolls up and sees this guy. His name was Jonathan Schmidt. Or Schmitz. And... He was a neighbor of this friend, um, and was doing a favor for her. Like, as a kind neighbor, you know, was doing a favor for her, her. And they all got to talking and, you know, just being friendly and everything. Well, Scott winds up having this massive crush on Jonathan. They've had conversations. They've talked about a few things. I mean, it's obvious that Scott's gay, you know, um... Apparently, there's been a conversation or a comment here and there that there's some question about Jonathan's sexuality. Now, during this time, shock TV was a huge thing. You know, controversial shows like Jerry Springer, Montel Williams, Maury, um, let's see, uh, Geraldo Rivera, like... You know, some of these shows were so controversial at the time. You know, before this, you know, all the, all of them were talk shows. You've got Oprah. You've got, you know... Oh, God, I can't even think of the names of some of these people right now. But you've got all these talk shows, and they're always talking about the, all these serious things. And, you know, even when it's crazy stuff, you know, nothing really went awry. All of a sudden, then you start having these shows like Jerry Springer where people are getting into fistfights and they're having these horrible arguments and yelling in each other's faces and you are not the father and, you know, <laughs> um, all these, these, are you a man? Are you a woman? You know, all, all these crazy things. Now, we find out really quickly that whenever things got out of hand on a show, the ratings actually spiked. You know, anytime that you'd put on, put on Jerry Springer, a fight, you know, ensues, then everyone's like, woohoo, and everybody's cheering because it's like just craziness. It's like that train wreck you can't turn away from. You have to watch. Now, this started a lot of these shows um, that would trigger a shock value by having all these physical fights, um, arguments, cheating scandals, letting out secrets, um, you know, the latter. You know, everybody's seen Jerry Springer. It's been on for decades. Uh, we see some of these shows that have been on for just massive amounts of times and can't help but to get stuck in the hoopla of everything that's going on and and want to 
you know, sit there and watch it. That's why some of these shows have lasted as long as they have, is because there's a shock value. It's entertainment. Granted, it's at the ex expense of others, but it is entertainment. Now, Jenny Jones was one of these shows that happened to be one of Scott's favorites. That's one that he watched on occasion. Like, that's... That they tended to do a lot of, like, secret crushes and, and things like this. So one day he's watching the show and it says, you know, do you have a crush on somebody of the same sex that doesn't know? Like, do you want to reveal this crush to somebody? So, so Scott picks up the phone. Like, he picks up the phone, he calls them, he, he tells them about this Jonathan Schmitz. And how he's had this huge crush and... Um, he'd love to reveal that to him. He didn't know, you know, whether or not for sure he's, um, Jonathan is gay, but he, you know, just has these feelings for him. So producers, um, you know, talk to Scott about this and then they're like, okay, well, so you feel like you want to do this? All right, we'll reach out to him. Producers reach out to Jonathan Schmitz. He's 26, so six years younger than Scott. Um, and they say, you know, okay, you have a person in your life that wants to let out this secret that they've got this huge crush on you. Would you be interested in coming on the show? So he's like, well, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty curious about who this person could be. Now, they do mention that, you know, this is one, this is a show where, you know, the person could be gay or straight. Like, we don't know if it's same sex or, or, so a man or a woman. But you have an admirer. So on March 6th, 1995, the episode is taped. The Jenny Jones Show, this episode is, is videotaped. In the day or so prior to this, he's flown out to do the show. Um, and realizes that this friend and Scott are also going on a, on a plane trip, but they're like, no, we're just going to, to, um, you know, be there for you and, you know, whatever. He had a little suspicion something was a little bit off, but they never said, you know, that it was them because obviously it's supposed to be secret. So they all fly out. They spend some time together. Like they all hang out. And then the day of the, of the taping comes and, um, amateur, so Scott, uh, is coming up to the point where they're interviewing him. You know, it's his part of the show. Now, at this point, they start asking Scott, you know, about Jonathan. He's really cute. He's you know, got this great little petite body, and he's this, and he's that, and, you know, they ask him about, you know, do you have any fantasies about him? And he's like, well, you know, I, I have this hammock, and, you know, I would just love, I have this thing about um, whipped cream, and strawberries, and champagne, and, and, you know, it starts talking about these different things. Well, all this is interviewed before they even say anything about Jonathan, before they bring him out, before he, he knows anything. And so, you know, it's like they all do. They get a little background on the story, and then they bring out the person to surprise him. So they're like, all right, go ahead and come on out. 
And he comes out, and he's kind of like, you guys freaking lied to me. You guys said that you guys were just coming out here to support me and be there for me. But it's you guys. like, And he's immediately looking at the both of them. Um, Gives them both kind of a hug. But the hug between him and Scott is a little bit more awkward, if you pay attention. Because I'm going to say this. This video, um, this footage never aired. Okay, and you'll see why. But this episode never aired. And this is something that we see is that, you know, even though you may have been on the show, your episode may never see the light of day. Like, it's all about the ratings. So, those things just kind of tend to happen. Um, you know, so he comes out, he's, he's obviously very awkward, and, you know, Jenny's standing there in the audience, and she's like, so, did you ever think that, you know, the person who had the secret crush on you was Scott? And he's just kind of taken aback, you know, he's shocked, obviously uncomfortable, and he just keeps smiling. Now, some people, when they're awkward, when they're nor- nervous, when they're scared of something, they just smile because they don't know what else to do. So that's what Jonathan Schmitz is doing. He's just really uncomfortable. So they're like, you know, okay, so we're going to play back this, you know, this clip of him and telling his feelings and and... So they play this clip of Scott pretty much saying how he really thought he was hot and, and about this fantasy with the strawberries and champagne and whipped cream and all this shit. And um, so they're like, you know, has there any ever been any question about your sexuality? And, and Jonathan says, no, I am strictly homosexual. Or strictly heterosexual. I apologize. So I'm strictly straight. I'm straight. There's no, like, that's, sorry, that's not for me. Like, I mean... That's how he portrays it. He says, I am strictly heterosexual. Straight. So they turn over and they look at Scott and they're like, you know, so does this bother you? And he's like, no, you know, it's okay. That's, that's all right. I just, you know, hey, the feelings are out there. I just want to let you know. This whole time, Jonathan is just in horror. Like, this is just taken him aback. Like, it really has, because he was not expecting this. So, you know, later we find out that Jonathan really just came on because he was curious. Um, He claims later that the police, the police, the producers imply to him that the admirer was a woman. Although, they claim that they say, no, the admirer could be male or female. Um... What you notice when you watch this footage is his face really says it all. You know, he's he's embarrassed. He's got to cope with this situation in some way, shape, or form, so he does that, and he just smiles. Now, according to the footage of the murder trial, it was stated later by a friend of Scott that Scott and Schmitz went out drinking together the night after. I'm thinking it was probably more of that night while they were in, in town. Like, it was the three of them. It wasn't just him and Scott. Um, and that they all kind of went out to drinks together to say, you know what, let's sweep this under the rug. You know, it's just, it, this is going to where it's going to end, you know, whatever. Um, 
And that they all went out and just had a meal and, and had a drink together. And that would have been it. However, this friend states that after, uh, on the night of the taping, after the taping, there was allegedly a sexual encounter between Scott and Jonathan. Um, according to the testimony at the murder trial, three days after the taping, Amador leaves a suggestive, pretty explicit note at Jonathan Schmidt's house. After finding the note, Jonathan withdraws money from a bank, purchases a 12-gauge shotgun, and goes to find Scott at his home, which was a small mobile home that he had a roommate with. Now, he questioned Scott about the note. Um, he's pretty irate about it. He's pretty pissed because he's already said, you know, no, I am straight. Like, I, I don't want this, you know, or whatever happened. You know, if something did happen between them, it's probably a, look, whatever happened was just, you know, we, I, I was drunk. You know, I don't know. I'm confused. Like, I, I don't want any part of this. You know, whatever. Who knows? I mean, we obviously weren't there. Um, but according to this friend, this is, might have been something that happened. Um... Now, so, he goes and he questions Scott and pretty much tells him, look, the note wasn't cool. Like, you know, we already we already figured out that, you know, this is not something that I want. Like, this is not for me. Um, and he goes back to his car, gets his gun, returns to Scott's door, and shoots him twice in the chest, killing him. Now, it has to be noted at this point that the roommate was there at the time and witnessed the whole ordeal. He even says that before he's shot the second time, he picks up a chair to shield himself before being killed. Now, after killing Scott, Schmitz actually leaves the residence, phones 911 from a payphone at a gas station down the road from his sister's house. So he's taken the time to, like, go and think about what he's done on the way to his sister's, stops at a payphone, calls 911 confesses to the killing, says, you know, I just walked in the room and killed him. Like, I just, I did this. You can see and you can hear the, the 911 tape and you can hear all this stuff off of uh, trial by murder or trial by media. Sorry. I've been having some trouble getting these words out. Um, the past uh, couple of days I've been having some issues with that. So I apologize if I, if I keep getting things mixed up or the words are coming out wrong. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's a stress-related thing or what, but I just want to say I'm, I'm sorry if it keeps happening, but I will correct myself as I go. Um, my editing software is a little bit funky on how to do it, so... Um, okay, anyway, back to everything. Um, at trial, the defense attorneys actually argue that Jonathan Schmitz, who has been diagnosed with manic depression... Uh, and Graves' disease, which, if you don't know, Graves' disease is a thyroid gland disorder that can cause kind of irrational and violent behavior, um, was caused to commit suicide or homicide, again, see, there I go, to commit him homicide by mental illness and humiliation by the way of the quote-unquote gay panic defense. In my opinion, this is bullshit, Okay. <laughs> He obviously knew that Scott was gay. He knew. This was not something that was a secret. And he didn't have any issue with him before Scott told him that he had a crush on him. 
There was no issue, no nothing. It seemed like everything was going okay. And then all of a sudden he freaks the fuck out. I'm thinking there had to have been some sort of question about his own sexuality and it being a threat. Because here this is, you know, mid-90s and the LGBTQ community was not what it is today. I mean, it was starting to be um, accepted a little bit more, but it was still a little bit scarce as far as who was open and who was who had come out and who was, you know, openly gay. Um, but Scott was, you know, but he wasn't like flaming. He wasn't, you know, I mean, there's, I mean, he was just a normal guy. He just was gay. So this whole gay panic defense is fucking bullshit. I mean, I've seen um, through friends and stuff being out and about. And, you know, I've I've got friends of mine who are like, you know, I don't give a shit if you're gay. Like, I'll hang out with you. I don't have any problem with that. Just, just know that I'm not. <laughs> and don't cross that line. It's that simple. You know, even then, little comments are going to be made, you know, things like that. There's there's a point where you can joke around and there's a point that that line can get crossed. And I see that. You know, as a bisexual woman myself, I, you know, I enjoy both sexes. Um, but there was a point where I wasn't really sure about that. And... You know, when you're struggling with your sexuality as well and you're not sure, you can go into panic mode like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, but it's what you do with it. You know, in my case, it was more of, you know what, I recognized that, you know what, maybe it's because I do find other women attractive and I do, you know, have these thoughts and everything. You know, I have a a guy friend that I knew, you know, back in the day. I don't really talk to him anymore, unfortunately, who had a couple of little encounters and wasn't really sure, um, you know, about about things. He let something happen once or twice, but he was like, you know what? You know, I, I appreciate the male figure and I appreciate all of this, but it's, you know, I, I tried it. It's not for me. It's not for me. I prefer a woman. So, and, and it's like, in my case, you know, I, I'm kind of right down the middle. Um, I am married. I have a wonderful, wonderful husband. And I prefer my husband over other situations. So, I'm just going to leave it at that. Now, you know, so this, this gay panic defense just pisses me off. It's what you do with it. It's how you, you've got to also think how that person was raised, what they are raised to believe. You know, some religions, it's like, no, that they're, it's drilled into their fucking brain the moment that they're, they're born. Gay is bad. It's not real. It's not good. Bullshit. You know, it is what it is. This shit's been going on since the dawn of time, you know, and even in, in the wild kingdom, look at fucking dogs. You know, you get one dog that humps another just because of a fucking dominance thing, you know, Whatever. it's It happens, you know, whether it's something like that in nature or, or what. This shit has been going on 
since the dawn of time. If, if you have feelings for a person of the same sex, you have feelings for a person of the same sex. But I'm anyway, I'm not going to get into that whole tangent because then there's going to be fighting and arguing on whether you're born this way, whether you're not, and, and I don't want to open that can of worms. But um, because I have my thoughts on that and it's, you know, sometimes not the most popular uh, decision. So um, anyway, Schmitz is found guilty of second-degree murder in 1996 and sentenced to 25 to 50 years in prison. But his conviction was overturned on an appeal. Upon retrial, he was found guilty of the same charge once again, and he was sentenced, uh, or his sentence was reinstated. Schmitz was released from prison on August 22nd of 2017. So he's been out for a few years. And I'll be honest, a lot of people gave him a bunch of shit. You know, how, how is it nice to have some freedom, you murderer? You're still a murderer, you know, whatever. Um, in 1999, the Amateur family sues the Jenny Jones show. Because if you notice, that show didn't stay around for a long time. It's been a while since that one's aired, okay? Um... They, they sue the Jenny Jones show, Telepictures, Warner Brothers, for these ambush tactics. This ambush TV. Um, they considered, the family considered, that the neglectful and negligent actions that resulted in Scott's death. And um, Jenny herself, Jenny Jones herself, is deposed. She insists that the show, which never aired had no connection to the shooting. But when you watch the footage and you watch how even when you when you watch old episodes of hers, she pushes. So when you see that your your guest is uncomfortable with what's going on, don't push it. But that's what she did. It was, oh, well, you know, I see he's uncomfortable, but hey, guess what? Let's show him what Scott said about him, about these sexual fantasies. You know, so it made for, yeah, it was entertaining in a sense, but it wasn't exactly appropriate. So anyway, as you're, like, watching all this and... and it's it's just really irritating, especially now. Like, there's still a lot of people who watch this trash TV, and, and it is. Like, I call it trash TV. Now, do I watch it? Yes, every once in a while. You know, I'll turn on Maury or Steve Wilkos or, you know, something like that. I'll, I'll turn on one of these shows for a little while, you know, for a little bit of the entertainment. I'll tell you right now, the one that I watch the most is probably going to be Steve Wilkos. That's the one I get stuck on. Um, because his have to do with a little bit more of like, you know, a family dynamic and, and abuse and things like that. So that's what I tend to get drawn to, um, as opposed to the consistent, you're not the father, you know, bullshit on Maury, um, or watching the fights on Jerry Springer. Like, that's just, that's just not for me. So... Um, anyway, they, they do go and say, um, that after noting some of the key evidence, like the 911 call, the upturned chair at Scott's home, the taped show segment, the note, 
um, from a Jenny Jones staff member, and this was this was something that surprised me, stating that Jonathan Schmitz is hoping that his crush is a woman. It then says that Scott has an inkling that Schmitz is bisexual, and that John is going to, this is something from the producer, quote-unquote, John is going to die when he sees that it's Scott, quote-unquote, quote. It did come out during the trial that, um, and privately between, you know, Scott and the acquaintance, that there was a question about John's sexuality. Apparently, there had been a conversation uh, where John lets it out that his parents have actually questioned his sexuality. Because there wasn't a lot of stuff, like, with girlfriends and, you know, um, I guess he, I guess he didn't bring girls home very often or there was something along those lines and his parents questioned him. So I wonder at this point whether or not they still have questions about his sexuality um, or if there any more has come out about that, um, whether he's, you know, in a, you know, straight or, or gay relationship. Like, I, I just wonder if anything like that has come out since then. Now, in, in May of that year, um, so it would have been, I believe, 99. The jury awards the Amateur family $29 million. They find that the Jenny Jones show is both irresponsible and negligent, contending that the show intentionally created the unpredictable situation without due concern for the possible consequences. Time Warner's defense attorney later actually claims the verdict would cause a quote-unquote chilling effect on the industry. This affected the way that the industry screens guests as well as uh, how they speak with possible potential guests. Uh, while Shock TV still gets the ratings, the fad has actually dwindled down to only a few shows still running. As I mentioned, now we have, you know, Steve Wilkos. We have uh, still have Jerry Springer. We still have uh, Maury Povich. We still have, you know, some of these shows. Of course, more people are coming out into the into, um, like Ellen doesn't exactly do so much shock, but you know, Ellen has some things that are that can be a little bit of a surprise. Um, Wendy Williams. We have. I mean, God, the list goes on because all these little talk shows, there's going to be things in there that are going to have a bit of a shock value that make people want to watch. However, all of this has changed how they do this. They're going to screen their guests. If it's going to be something major, they're going to give a psychological evaluation to the guest or to the, um, you know, person calling in or to find out, like, look, if you want to come, you've got to do this because, because we're not going to be held liable if you guys do something fucking stupid. This taught them that they needed to be better at screening their guests. Now, the jury compensated the amateur, amateur family with $6,500 in funeral and burial expenses, $5 million for amateurs' pain and suffering, um, and $10 million each for loss of companionship and compensation. So the fact that they were negligent enough to not do these things and not understand how these things could have affected him, the fact that they kept pushing Jonathan Schmitz you know, as far as, you know, what's going on, like what they do kind of behind the scenes sometimes. And, and you'll see on others, like sometimes like a, we have a local radio show that sometimes does a second day update where they go back and, you know, Hey, I heard you guys had a really crappy date. You got, you know, this one thought it went really well. 
but you don't call them back. Why aren't you calling them back? What happened that was so bad? They let that stuff out, and then they're like, you know, okay, well, we're going to give you the option to go on a second date. Maybe you can fix things. Maybe, you know, maybe things were just taken the wrong way the first time. We'll pay for you guys to go have dinner. Now, what we see is that some of these shows, they do something very similar. You know, hey, you know, we don't want there to be bad blood between you guys, so why don't you guys go have a dinner on us? You know, here's dinner, here's drinks, you know, go and enjoy things for a while. Um... And let bygones be bygones. Okay? So that's what I'm guessing is that they did something along that line in this, in this account. That, that they probably did something along this lines hoping drinks would get involved and hoping things would be a little different. Okay? Um, now, I want to get into a little bit more detail because unfortunately so far I have not been able to. Watch that show, Trial by Media. Watch this episode. Get to an idea of what happened here. Scott was like this really wonderful, outgoing, like just bright personality. And, you know, it was really unfortunate that he was taken down so soon. He was 32 years old, young man, um, you know, had a whole life ahead of him. He really did. You know, he and his family, when you talk to, when they talked to his brother... Oh, my God. Like, he would have loved, you know, working for the Netflix series. He would have loved, like, being in production and in in TV and and somewhere in all that. Like, that was just kind of his personality to do things like that. And, uh, you know, I think it needs to be, it needs to be said. I think this is something that needs to be kind of brought to light a little bit more. It's a very interesting, um interesting story um an unfortunate story and you know so they get home you know that's what's so sad about this they go home they think everything's going to be okay maybe scott's little note was a was more of a joke but on under my understanding it was pretty explicit so why if you knew there was no chance would you have sent this note out So, there's a part of me that believes something had to have happened between them that made him think it was okay to send this message. I don't think he would have sent this message or this note and left it on John's doorstep. I don't think he would have done that unprovoked. I don't think he would have done that um, with no reason. So, maybe he wasn't so drunk. Maybe John got fucking plastered because everything was a bit too much for him. Maybe he did have some questions about his own sexuality. Who knows? Obviously, we don't. We don't. We weren't there. But, when you look at the details of it, I think something had to have happened between them. Whether it was a kiss. Whether it was some groping. Whether they had sex. Who knows? But I will say it's just a little too convenient that this note showed up and then all of a sudden he's a basket case. All of a sudden John flips his shit. Or maybe there's something in there stating like that he was going to let it out that something happened between them. Maybe John wasn't ready for it. So when he goes to his home, he goes all the way to Scott's home 
and made the conscious decision to go buy a fucking gun. Okay, he was ready to buy a gun and put ammo in it. That t- that's premeditation, flat out. He knew he was going to do this. Now, whether he suffers from mental illness or whatever, that's still, he prepared for this. He went and bought the fucking gun and then goes over there. Now, here's the thing. He got out of the car without the gun. So he had calmed down enough to say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't do this. Like, you know, I, I'm just getting a little ahead of myself. I just need to go talk to him. I need to talk to him, tell him it wasn't cool. No, I don't feel that way. Like, it was a lapse in judgment. Or, you know, um, maybe I thought it was for me and now and, and, and I realize now it's not for me. You know, or, or something along those lines. But he got out of the car without the fucking gun. He goes and talks to him. Obviously trying to do it in a civil way. Now, maybe Scott answered the door and got a little bit, you know playful about it and was, I mean, I don't know. Something had to have been said that set him off to where he went back and got the gun. You don't just, you don't black out and have the composure enough to go back to the car, walk all the way back to the car, walk all the way back to the front door, and then just pull the fucking trigger This is a conscious decision. Two shots shows it was not an accident. You know, he went back and got the gun. And at some point during this, Scott grabs a wicker chair, pulls it in front of him, and is like trying to shield himself. Now, I'm not sure if that started beforehand. It is stated that he picked it up after the first shot, but it could have been possible he was reaching for it before the first shot. But, as they they noted, the the chairs turned over. Like, it's obvious when they go and investigate the scene that the chairs turned over. There's been a bit of a struggle. So, now, what the exact struggle was, obviously we weren't there. I wish we could get a little bit more information from the roommate. Um, I tried to look for the case reports and things like that, because sometimes you can find... Um, the public documents uh, from court stating a little bit more of uh, some of the things that, like, as far as public record that, that we could find. But unfortunately, there's really not a ton that is released on this. The best stuff you're going to find is these documentaries. So, with that being said, this episode was a little bit shorter. Um, I hope this is one that people can can really check on and and check in on and and watch and listen and understand that there's no reason for panic over something like this. This whole gay panic theory is bullshit. Absolute bullshit. You know, I can see there being a fist fight. I can see someone get getting heated and punching him in the face and saying stay the fuck away from me. Or, you know, no, it's not what you, you know, you thought and whatever. But there was no reason at all whatsoever for him to, to murder Scott Amateur. So he served his time. He gets out. There's footage of him leaving the prison. 
going to be with his family and and they pretty much just, you know, um, ignore any questions from anybody. I really hope, like, I don't want to think ill of either family. Like, anytime that I re- report about this, do I think he handled it right? Absolutely not. Do I think he needed to serve the time in prison? Absolutely. I mean, he, he dealt with the consequences of his actions. Do I think he should still be there? Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, if he, if he really does have the mental issues, you know, whatever, however, I think some of it's just a cop out to give an excuse for what he did. Um, you know, do I hope that he's living a good life? Yes. Do I hope that he, um, has remorse for what he did? Absolutely. And from what I can tell, you know, he even states in the court, um, you know, in the trial that, you know, he's, he apologizes for what he did and he shouldn't have done it. Um, you know, I, 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 I do think he has some remorse for what he did, but I think as he's grown older and as he's, he's figured things out, you know, that he realizes he really fucked up. Um, you know, I really hope he's got a good family life and a home life and he's got a good job and he's doing well for himself. I really do. I, I feel for the family that has lost Scott Amateur. Um, his, I know his brother misses him dearly. Really, really misses him. You can see through videos, through pictures, all these things, what a wonderful person Scott was. Maybe he got a little too playful. Maybe he pushed it, you know, whatever. But he just still didn't deserve what he got. So, with that being said, um, what are you, what are your guys' take on this? What is everybody else's take on this? Um, please message me, email me, you know, whatever. At, you know, I really enjoy being able to hear from you guys. Um, you know, recommended cases, anything that you think. Email me at serialzombiemoms at gmail.com. Hit me up on Facebook or Instagram, um, you know, at the Serial Zombie Mom Podcast. I'd, I'd be more than happy to discuss some of these things with you guys or be able to add to some of these these episodes. So um, I hope you guys kind of enjoyed the information. I'm sorry I keep getting off on little tangents about things, but some of these things are near and dear to my heart. Some of these things um, really resonate with me. And the next episode is really going to um, resonate with me. Uh, and I hope you guys are, are as pumped as I am to do the episode as to hear it. So um, anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you guys have a, a great day. Um, and I will see you on the next one. Thanks so much, guys.